This is Movies on TV Podcast Industries. We're here with our spoiler-filled discussion of Wonder Woman 1984. I've seen this contest. Humble even the most seasoned warriors, Diana. I can do it. Just do your best. And remember, greatness is not what you think. Welcome back, movie fans. Here We're here on TV Podcast Industries for our movie review of Wonder Woman 1984. I think last time we kind of called it Wonder Woman 2017, the uh, the first movie, and now it's really confusing. Uh, this one wasn't made in 1984, obviously. <laughs> this is the most recent movie starring Wonder Woman. <laughs> I'm one of your hosts, Derek. Hello there, fellow moviegoers, or should I say HBO Max watchers? Probably. Um I am one of your other hosts, John, yes. from 1977. <laughs> and I'm from 1976. Yes, very good, John. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's that's uh, the only confusion there. Uh, it's probably just our fault for calling last time's uh, Wonder Woman 2017. Uh, unfortunately, Chris is, has taken ill and is unable to join us for our discussion about Wonder Woman. He unfortunately couldn't even get to the cinema to watch it. He's, uh, he's a bit ill. Not the big C word, fortunately. Um, it's just a little... Uh, winter cold but unfortunately that would absolutely ruin his voice for the podcast so get well soon chris yes and let's just clarify that means covid yeah i just don't like saying that that word it's almost as bad as saying the other word which we can't say in this podcast john exactly We are going to discuss Wonder Woman in full spoiler-filled detail. We know this movie is coming out in the US on the 25th of December. We were lucky enough, thanks to Warner Brothers Ireland, to get to see uh, the movie early. We got to see it on the 14th of December, um, just before it got its full release uh, in the UK and Ireland in cinemas on the 16th of December. So Thursday the 16th it came out. So hopefully you've watched the movie. If you haven't watched the movie, what do you, what do you want to say overall, John? Should people buy their tickets to go to the cinema? Should they sit at home and watch it on HBO Max? What do you think? Should they not watch it at all? That's the other option, sorry. (laughs) I think people should definitely watch it, uh, Mm -hmm. for sure. I think, um, you know, obviously in North America, you can get HBO Max. You can't here in Europe. So, you know, that's a good choice to have given the current COVID situation. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, people... Being a little nervous uh, to go into sort of public settings yeah. and certainly into maybe a cinema theatre setting. Um, I think we were very lucky. The The cinema setting that we had was just for for press. Yeah. And so, you know, it was socially distanced, as would a normal theatrical release as well. I mean, yeah. certainly over here in, in Europe and specifically in Ireland, um, the cinemas are open yeah. and they have to adhere to socially distance rules. So, I mean, I know we went to see Tenet uh, during the summer mm-hmm. and, and that was very well done. Um, and you wear your mask and yep. apply as much hand sanitizer. So I think if you feel comfortable going out yep. um, and going to a movie theater, then by all means uh, go and do that for sure. Yep. Because um, the the sound, again, a bit like with Tenet, um, I was slightly overwhelmed by the sound <laughs> of, of, of this uh, uh-huh. right at the start because of watching most of my movies and TV series at the moment on uh, our TV. Yeah. 
And so it, it, it is a different experience. Uh, I'd never really kind of noticed that until tennis. And now again, it hit again with Wonder Woman mm. uh, 1984. So yeah, if you feel comfortable going to the theater, go. If not, then if you're in North America or if you have access to HBO Max, then uh, use that channel to to look at it. But certainly, yeah. um, I think you know it will be restrictive um, for yeah. people in Europe where HBO Max isn't. Um, to be honest, and sadly, a lot of countries going back into lockdown again just as this movie came out. Yeah. So um, I have I've seen a lot of people on Twitter saying they bought their tickets and couldn't go to the cinema, unfortunately, because it's outside of the zones they're allowed to travel in. But yeah, I echo John. Uh, this is a great film. This is the kind of film I definitely need it right now. Really uplifting movie um don't want to spoil anything about it within this section but if you haven't seen it yet pop off to the cinema go on to hbo max if you can and uh, and watch it and then come back and uh, we'll be here for a spoiler filled discussion and just a heads up, if you're just joining us for our Wonder Woman podcast, we do podcast DC at the moment on a weekly basis. We're covering Pennyworth, which is currently airing on Epics in the US. Uh, it's about three episodes in at the moment. Um, really enjoying uh, going back to uh, the, the Pennyworth story. This is uh, the, the kind of prequel to Gotham almost. It's, a, it's the story of Alfred Pennyworth in the UK in the 60s. Uh, really fun story. But if you are watching that, come join us on tvpodcastindustries.com for our weekly coverage of Pennyworth, another DC show. And we have lots and lots more uh, shows coming up as we go into 2021. Let's get into our discussion about Wonder Woman 1984 starring Gal Gadot. I think she deserves that title right Right alongside Wonder Woman. I think without uh, Gal Gadot, we wouldn't have these Wonder Woman films, really. Uh, also, without Patty Jenkins, we wouldn't have these Wonder Woman films once again returning to direct uh, this movie. Recently announced, uh, I'm sure we saw this, John, um, recently announced that Patty Jenkins is going to be directing a Star Wars movie. She's going to be directing Rogue Squadron. Yeah, absolutely. And it certainly now explains one of the big kind of gooey scenes shall we say in this movie mm, okay. uh, involving a plane yes um because yeah it was really interesting to hear that her father had been a fighter pilot mm -hmm. or a, in, in the american air force and yeah. she has this fascination with planes and, and that that whole um whole thing yeah. so uh, it certainly explains one of the yes the, the more sentimental and, and gooey moments of this uh, movie mm -hmm. uh, for sure and so I'm really excited to see what she brings to Rogue Squadron actually um now that she's been um flagged for directing that with um with Star Wars. Yeah. Yeah, it's really interesting isn't it going yeah. to an X-wing movie uh when she's looking for a movie about pilots. That's kind of cool. It'd be interested to see what her take is. I think we have to wait till 2023 for that one. Yeah, it's a long <laughs> way. It's off. a long way off, but really cool to see that she's uh, picking up the Star Wars mantle uh for her next big movie, I suppose. Uh the screenplay for this movie was actually written by uh, Patty Jenkins, Jeff Johns and Dave Callahan. Um Jeff Johns, you may know, is the DC chief creative officer, kind of like the Kevin Feige uh of DC. He's responsible for all the comics book output and also the movies so uh, but is involved in the screenplay here as well um pat jenkins obviously the director involved in the writing and uh, dave callaham uh, as the other writer for this movie um probably most well known for as being the writer for the expendables movies interesting yeah i thought that was interesting it's a action. nice shift tonally yeah um, i think isn't it yeah <laughs> or should i say one giant leap for uh cinema kind in tone interesting 
Yeah, but it's still. I I think the the Expendables could easily have been a comic book movie. You could kind of see how it could be a comic book. Yeah, like, definitely. Interestingly, we will see him again next year. He's is has moved over to Marvel as well, working in Marvel. Uh, he's going. He is the writer for the movie Shang Chi and the Twelve Rings coming Excellent out next year. Stuff. I am so excited for Shang Chi. Um, it's a comic book I read. Uh, when I was a kid, I, I read a lot of them, reading, reading the most recent run of Shang-Chi as well. So uh, really intrigued what they do with this movie in, on cinema. It's a finished production, will be out hopefully in 2021. Uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing what uh, what Dave Callahan brings to it. Um, the story for the movie was done together with uh, Jeff Johns and Patty Jenkins did the, did the full story. And once again, Wonder Woman based on William Moulton Marston and H.G. Peter's comic book creation. John, do you want to tell us the synopsis for Wonder Woman 1984? Sure. Greatness is not what you think. In 1984, Diana Prince is living and working in Washington, D.C. When she isn't protecting the city as Wonder Woman, she spends her time alone. Since losing her first love, Steve Trevor, in World War I, Diana has distanced herself from human contact. When her new co-worker, Barbara Minerva, is asked to identify some ancient artefacts, Diana takes an interest in a seemingly mundane item and forms a bond with Barbara. The item was created by a mischievous god. It grants whoever holds it one wish, but it takes a toll. Diana inadvertently wishes Steve Trevor back into existence, while Barbara, who is often overlooked, wishes to be just like Diana. Meanwhile, businessman and TV personality Max Lord has been trying to track down the item for years, believing it's the answer to all of his problems. Lord retrieves the item and uses it to get his failing business back on track. But being an overnight success isn't enough for Max. He wants more. He begins to grant everyone wishes, no matter what they are, in exchange for more power, influence and health. Diana learns that her failing powers are caused by the return of Steve, and realises in order to save everyone, they must reject their wishes. She has to sacrifice a life with Steve and convince the world that achieving their version of greatness is not worth the pain it causes to everyone else in order to save it. Excellent. Thanks for that, John. I think we no mentioned worries. on the Wonder Woman podcast that the uh, the original movie, that there was quite a straightforward storyline going on. Um, on the screen, which allowed it to kind of breathe and allowed us to kind of learn the characters and get to know the characters really well. I think the story in here, really from the opening scene, the opening like two or three minutes, mentioned this line of greatness is not what you think. It, it, it comes up right at the beginning of the movie. And I think it's once that line is said, the rest of the movie is explaining to Diana, really, that her perception of where she wants to be as a person and what, where she wants to be in the universe may take a lot more work and may not be exactly what she expects uh, she needs to attain or it may not be uh, it may not fulfill her in the way that she thinks it will fulfill her and I, th- I think that I like that about this movie that it's a reasonably straightforward concept uh, from the beginning to I, end I think so and it's also about how you achieve greatness mm-hmm. um and you you know that 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 tale that story that lesson is right at the beginning mm-hmm. um in, in the big competition on Themyscira but it is also ultimately um what Max Lord has to also understand yeah. as well as Diana um that it's not just what version of greatness that you have it's how you obtain that yeah. as well and yeah. uh, so yeah I mean it, it is it's it's a really um I think quite neat um and neatly packaged 
storyline mm-hmm. and thrust of, of the you know the main point of the the script but it but it is also i think wrapped up nicely in using um and looking back to 1980s movies Absolutely. as well so yeah. actually the storytelling in and of itself is really simple mm-hmm. um there's a lot of signposts here from movies from the 1980s yeah. and and that in itself gives a very different type of feel to the the film as well from the direction of of Patty Jenkins in, mm-hmm. in taking that sort of cue from those movies yeah. um in terms of how she establishes the shot how she does um you know the framing also i think in in the the use of cgi i think it's kind of nicely purred back actually even yeah. though they that they do use it absolutely yep. but it is purred back i think it's really when you see cheetah um you can see a, a, it, it's very cgi yeah it's something that couldn't have been done in the 80s definitely i think no. when i came out of the cinema the kind of the first impression i had was this movie could have been made in the 80s and that's not at all a criticism of it. I don't think movies have to constantly look like they were made last week to be fresh. You know, I, I'm, I'm a, an older guy. I'm from, from the 70s. Watch movies all the way from the 70s all the way through to now. And there's something about the aesthetic of films from different periods that sometimes gets lost. So when someone tries to make a movie set in the 80s, you can tell they're looking back and they're they're picking and choosing what they think will look best. They're almost making yeah. fun of the time period in a way. This just feels like they're looking at the 80s and going, right, if we did this movie back then, how would we do it? And how would we tell the story? And you're right, it really does play into the themes of the film. It's really conscious of what was going on at the time in America, particularly this kind of attitude of greed that was going on. There was a lot of, of big players in Wall Street, for example. Everybody had this concept, and it comes out with Max Lord in the way that he says everybody has this concept of, if you just believe in yourself, no matter what it is, you can attain it, you know? And that's not necessarily the way you should go about your life is what the lesson we're being taught within Wonder Woman is. It's the concept of maybe it's not the thing that you're looking for that's the most important thing for you. Look and find what's most important to you, and maybe that will lead to your own version of greatness exactly i mean weirdly for a movie that was supposed to come out you know much earlier this year well it it is now coming out at christmas where you know there are suggestions of rampant consumerism Mm -hmm. and it, it it's more about um i think this idea of i want i want and that fits nicely into the 80s where you have this loosening up of um structures and different things Mm -hmm. um from Reaganism in the US, Thatcherism yeah. in, in the UK, mm-hmm. and that that whole change. So, it, it, and it were you can have anything you want, and that is ultimately what Max Lord is offering here through this artifact yeah. uh, to everyone, but to you know achieve greatness in his mind's eye. Yeah, uh, but it and- means everyone is just no matter what the consequences are, are saying, I want, I want, I want, or in this case, I wish, I wish. It is kind of a retelling a bit of, you know, the genie in the lamp kind of element, really. Absolutely what it is, yeah. It's less standing on the shoulders of giants than standing on the backs of your contemporaries, basically. It's like stepping over everybody else to get what you want without looking at the consequences for everybody else. So uh, I I thought it was a very inspirational uh, idea for the film. I thought, uh, once again, you know, it, it seems like they've got... 
It feels character. right for Wonder Woman. Exactly. That's they the, feel like the they've nailed thing. Diana Prince really well. You know, I, I, I wrote up a quick spoiler-free kind of preview for this over on our website and TV podcast industries, and I didn't want to spoil anything. That's the kind of person I am. If you haven't seen the film, I'm not going to tell you about it. Go watch the film. <laughs> I'm going to tell you whether I liked it or not, and that's kind of it. So that's why you're here listening to us talk in a spoilery way. But over on our website, I just quickly kind of wrote up an idea of what I thought, whether I liked it or not kind of thing. And the one thing that came to mind watching this movie was when we saw Diana Prince for the first time, Wonder Woman for the first time, she appeared in Batman v Superman, a movie with those two massive heroes. You've had multiple, yeah. multiple movies about the multiple uh, comic book series and TV shows, everything all about them. So we knew the two of them. That's what sold you the ticket to go and see them in the cinema. And then Wonder Woman walks in, this fully formed character, excellent theme tune as she walks in and you go who's this person i want to see her movie and they did such a good job zach snyder did such a good job with his introduction of that character that instantly you wanted to see where she was who she how she got to this place how could she stand toe to toe with the billionaire superhero that is batman this this really intelligent strategy master basically and toe-to-toe with a super being from another planet you wanted to know her history and i think what patty jenkins has kind of been able to do with these two movies is really fill in how the how diana prince became the person that we see in those movies in uh, particularly in batman v superman justice league is a bit different because there was so many characters in there that uh, yeah she just kind of stood alone anyway as a great character she but, actually Almost reminds me of Spider-Man in terms of the great power comes great responsibility in that she is hugely powerful as she, you know, she's a god. Okay. But there is that moral center to her Mm. that is very different from, I think, the the feeling of being goody two shoes of Superman Mm -hmm. or effectively with Batman where it's just being corroded by the death of his parents, but also just the constant having to deal with the Joker. Um, You know, it's not that Batman doesn't do good, but his methods are very different from what Diana Prince uh, employs. And I think Diana Prince understands humanity better than Superman Mm -hmm. um, to the point where her her moral centre is much more in tune with humanity, with the people of the world than than superman uh, I, I because think of that what, godlikeness um, yeah I, I think that's what we're learning in this film that this is what she's developed because yeah you know the first kind of bit and we talked about this in our on our previous podcast about, about wonder woman we started with wonder woman the character as she kind of goes throughout the movie we're starting the same way here really um what she's learning in this movie she spent what 70 years apart from humans uh, 65 years roughly apart from humans after uh, Steve Trevor died she's kind of separated herself she's stood alone you see all those photographs of herself you know buying her ranch and naming it after uh, naming it Trevor Ranch I think um, you know she's had this experience where while she is saving people as Wonder Woman and being the superhero for those 60 years or at least for the last couple of years anyway we hear some kind of reference to the fact that there's been a woman saving people in uh, the DC area. Um, But she stayed apart from making friendships, from making any kind of bonds with anybody else since she had this loss of Steve Trevor and probably all the rest of the, uh, all all the rest of the members of the team. She's lived, outlived way longer than any of the other people that she would have interacted with in the past. So, and she's been separate from everybody. In this movie, we're seeing that she's starting to connect with people towards the end of it. And by the time we get to Batman v Superman, 
as you say, she has that moral core where she does know humans really well. Um, with Superman, it does seem like he came, he became fully powered. He had these massive amounts of abilities, and he is automatically separated from the human race because he's a godlike character. He has a godlike power, effectively. Whereas she's learning and making her connections with humans back here in '84. So I think that's the kind yeah. of connection between the two the two lines. Uh, overall, what did you think of of the Wonder Woman? Set? We're not we're not going to go to the story as much here. What did you think of Gal Gadot's Wonder Woman in here? I, th- I think she nails it. You know, I, I really like her portrayal of Diana Prince. Mm-hmm. I liked her sacrifice that she I think she I think Gal Gadot really portrays that well you know from the 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 fish out of water but in a really melancholy lonely way you know this this idea of then connecting in uh with Barbara Minerva I mean initially she's you know Diana Prince feels like she's, you know, she is literally towering above Barbara Minerva, mm-hmm. but also that she is distant. And you, I like how she gradually, you know, they have that meal together where yeah. they're talking about, um, you know, boyfriends and their lives and all that. And that's when you really get the feeling and it really hits home that actually she is still pining for Steve Trevor and she hasn't moved on from that or she she maybe she has to some extent but she's certainly not allowed herself to do anything um that would cause her um to be more sociable I mean she's at all actually almost sounds antisocial she's also an archaeologist so she's down in the basements you know look at that it is that she's cut off yeah. from the present because she's thinking about the past in in Steve Trevor and that loss she her job is in the past about the gods and all these artifacts mm-hmm. and it's like she hasn't connected and here with Barbara then you do and I, I like how she progresses through that and then yeah. with the realization of why she's getting weaker as Wonder Woman mm-hmm. um, then because of having wished Steve Trevor uh, back into existence, then it's taking that the, the price she has to pay for that wish being granted is her power. Yeah. And, yeah. and so, you know, I, I, I like that unfolding and her realizing and then what she has to do. I mean, I really found the end of this absolutely great i've really epic and i thought she was fantastic with the whole ending from um the the, the whole fight sequence with cheetah and um, from everything were uh in both in the white house and at the research facility yeah was really really good i mean ultimately you know i think just to put the context on it they're having to deal with this artifact that grants power mm-hmm. um, or the wish to people. But in return, there is um, a price paid for that wish and you lose something. And in Diana's case, it's her powers, yeah. it's her strength. Yeah. And ultimately, this artifact becomes personified quite literally in in Max Lord, whose wish is... I want to become you. I want to become the artifact. So right. he is the one that yeah. grants the wishes yeah. um, and receives 
ultimately what is being lost by the other party. Where, he yeah. re- he receives that cost yeah. to him. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, like I I like this premise. I like the I like the kind of concept of it. You know, the there's a part of that conversation that you mentioned with. Um, Diana and Barbara going for dinner where they're having that conversation and Barbara kind of reveals that she has an opinion of Diana and has it from the moment that she meets her that Diana is someone that goes out and parties all the time she has that look about her she's always very well turned out she's very intelligent and Barbara is so attracted to her life because Barbara is a downtrodden person and then she her wish is to become Diana um over the course of the of the film we see that she doesn't get what she wants out of that wish. She gets all the bad side as well. She gets those moments where every single person that's walking past her feels like they can chat her up, feels like they can get something out of her. Um, as she starts to develop this kind of confidence that Diana has, as she starts to develop her, her look and her style. Um, and she realizes that this life that she wanted from Diana, effectively, the similar life to Diana, isn't all that it's cracked up to be. It's one, one uh, part, yeah. again, part of that thing of greatness not being what you expect is the grass is always greener on the other side. You think you can get something yeah. else easily in this case, you know, all you have to do is wish for it and you, you get it and it actually doesn't, turns out well, to be completely Barbara, different. Barbara makes the point to, to Max Lord, uh, that I want to be my own brilliant person mm-hmm. and have my own strengths. I want to be that apex predator. Yeah. Um, and so you, you have this very, uh, you have this really nice build up as Diana and Steve realize that Max Lord has, has gotten the artifact. They're trying to track him down. They see all the weirdness happening in the world with, with, um, society because people are just getting what they want and haven't thought of the consequences, the wider consequences yeah. that might happen or the consequences that happen to themselves. And of course, at that moment, Diana and Steve are also working with, uh, with Barbara. Yeah. And so she then, it clicks to her that the reason why she is becoming, um, more confident is because she's made that wish where she wants to be like Diana. Mm-hmm. And so it ends up with her protecting Max Lord because she doesn't want to lose that. But she has this moment where they are playing out the Max's final sort of plan to touch everyone in the world and get all their wishes mm-hmm. and through uh, the satellite, the US satellite system that um, she also wants to be herself. Yes. And that would be her actual wish that she would want to have her own power, her own abilities and be... Um, I suppose sovereign in herself uh, that it's not just um, that she's borrowing what Diana has she Mm -hmm. has her own powers and that's why ultimately she ends up um, with the cheetah persona because she talks about um, that being one of her favourite animals and on the plane to this satellite base it's um, all about being the apex predator yeah yeah have to say Kristen Wiig is fantastic in this role. I've loved her in some other movies before. Really, really like to hear. But I love how you yeah. see the different sides of Kristen Wiig. She's such a good chameleon and comedian. <laughs> she's, she's a very funny uh, person in a lot of roles that she's been in the past. But seeing her as this kind of downtrodden character to begin with 
and also going through that kind of 80s transformation. We used to see this in 80s movies all yeah. the time where it's like tie up the hair, take off the glasses, and they're amazingly gorgeous, or pull down the hair and take off the glasses, and aren't they gorgeous? She plays that role really well, but yeah. there's a, a lot of depth in there as well. And I must say I really like that they kept the cheetah side of things, the actual character for the comic books, this uh, CGI creation. I love that they kept that to just a very small portion of the movie at the end because it allows you to kind of explore Barbara Minerva as a character and yeah. someone that looks at Diana as being the perfect person to be. I love that we have her going through that full transformation, getting to almost the same level as Diana, effectively, and then realizing I want to surpass this. I want to go further. This didn't, yeah. I didn't reach my dreams by getting here. I can do it by going a different way. I can get more. You know, I love that we had a big arc for the antagonist here uh, in, in Barbara Minerva. Yeah, I totally agree. I, I think Kirsten Wig here is is really, really good. And I love the slow descent that she has, or maybe it's an ascent uh, to, you know, in, in gaining Diana's uh, powers. There's some really lovely moments through this where she's gotten some of her powers. There's a really nice moment where, you know, she she's previously talked to Diana saying how she can't really wear um, stilettos, she's hopeless in them mm-hmm. and walking and, and she puts some on and does a jump to miss some water and jumps down. Yeah. But she doesn't even notice it herself. I like the fact that um, there's, even though her goal is to be more noticed, her she's not self-aware to the changes happening. Yeah. And uh, there's a moment... Um, where she's trying on a new dress thinking, oh no, this isn't really going to work, you know, and the shop assistant is saying, you look amazing. Yeah, the whole 80s thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. it it hugs her her figure, the hair's up, the jewellery's on, it's real 80s, but I like that she's really oblivious to these creeping power gains that she's Mm -hmm. getting until she's at the party at the museum at the Smithsonian being hosted by Max Lord yeah, uh, yeah. in order so he can grab this artifact uh, from the um fr- from from her office and and ultimately consume it for for himself yeah yeah no you're right that that's a really interesting kind of twist in it that she is gaining exactly what she wants but doesn't realize she's doing it that's and, kind of cool, and yeah. I think her her great I, I, the moment to me was where she's attacked in the park and she's saved by Diana by mm-hmm. a, a drunk guy who's um, trying to molest her yeah. and she she ultimately gets saved by Diana coming in um and the same guys there again, and it's that moment where she realizes the power that she has mm-hmm. and comes back and attacks him. And one of the homeless people that she walks past every day on the way into work is the she used to feed every yeah, day, and like, yeah, feeds, yeah. Um, and is asking, "Who are you?" Yeah, and she's like, "Just leave me alone," you know. Yeah. Um, it's none of your business. And um, it's a really good moment. I think Kristen Wiig is fantastic where you just see ultimately i think she's confident but the thing she is losing is her kindness she that is the price she is paying for and this um confidence Mm -hmm. power and abilities like diana yeah 
Yeah, and definitely her her humanity really is, is yeah. the, the central kind of part. That's why she becomes animalistic as she goes before to, to become Cheetah. She's losing her humanity kind of thing. Um, she's obviously one of the main antagonists in the movie. Max Lord, we uh, we mentioned a little bit about Max Lord um, in the in the movie. Um, interestingly, I was I, I was quite intrigued that he was kind of left out of a lot of the. Um, trailers and the build-up to the movie. We didn't see a huge amount of Pedro Pascal in the run-up to the movie. We knew he was in the movie. Max Lord is a character from the comic books, was an antagonist of the... Uh, was a villain for uh, the Justice League going all the way back to the 80s. So we knew he's in there. We knew he's a bad guy. Didn't really know much about him. And I can kind of understand now after seeing the movie because there is the big twist there for the character. Firstly, is that he's seen as this kind of... Um, massively successful businessman on TV. We saw that a little bit glimpse of that in the trailer. And then yeah. you see him go back to his office. His office is empty, dusty. He's got, doesn't have a penny to his name. He's been conning his investors to try and just keep the business going. And he's looking for this artifact, this thing that can wish all his bad away and make him finally successful, make him able to prove himself to the world. Something that he's been trying to do since he's a kid. I really like this storyline with Max, but I can yeah. understand why you couldn't show much of that in the trailer. Um, there's nothing really that you could edit into a minute of a of a trailer clip to show this guy is the the major antagonist in the movie. Whereas with Kristen Wiig, you can show the transformation a little bit. You can show that she's cheated yeah. from the comic books, you know. But he doesn't he doesn't become anything other than himself embodied with this artifact, effectively. Yeah, so I, I thought Pedro Pascal was was really really good. S- same with Kirsten Wiig. As you said before, Kirsten Wig, the, the big surprise and actually the nice thing about her role in this movie is that Cheetah only comes in right at the end. And yeah. I think it really works. And I think with Pedro Pascal, it's that there's so many little shifts here. Like you say, he comes across just as the successful businessman making money in the time of spend, spend, spend. Yep. Stock markets and, and all that, yeah. and then you all of a TV, sudden, you can get your nineteen yeah, exactly. TV over by the end of today. You know, then like all of a sudden, yeah, you realise that he's a con man, yeah, um, and he's been conning the the public and his investors. Mm-hmm. But I really, really enjoyed his his arc. I thought it was so so good, and um, that and particularly around the ending, and um, that that's what was so good for me about this this kind of final third act of the movie um because i just actually didn't expect it i mean effectively you know most superhero movies the bad guy gets put in jail yeah. he is killed um or he's destroyed yeah. you know however that may be beaten up pleases um, his mind particularly when you've got a powerful superhero who punches things yeah um, but you'd be- expect him to be punched in the face. Exactly. Yeah. But here, he actually is redeemed. He gets a redemption hmm. in, in a sense because of his son um, and, and what happens. Because I think the way it's portrayed is that this artifact from, by this mischievous god, mm-hmm. he can't control. And it's about him realizing that the way to greatness isn't just by accumulating, accumulating, and accumulating, but it's actually about his relationship with his son. Yeah. And and I thought that was really brave of this movie, actually, to not have the police surround Max Lord and put him in jail. Effectively, Max Lord goes off, um, you know, 
not into the sunset as such, but, you know, metaphorically into the sunset with his son. Yeah. Um, after making the connection and realizing that he's going to do these things for his son. Yeah. And I, I thought that was really, really good that he had the moment too that Wonder Woman was also trying to broadcast to everyone else who had made the wish that they needed to renounce their wishes yeah. in order to put this genie back into um, the lamp effectively. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I love the economy of storytelling that that section for for Max Lord right at the end of the movie where he's going through his life effectively, how he got to this point in his life. And it's all about um, his father and how badly he was treated by his father. His father was uh, beating his mother. He was attacking him, abusing him for uh, for wetting the bed at one point. Um, we see that he tries to set up his own business and it doesn't doesn't work for him, but he keeps trying, keeps trying. And as I say, this kind of 80s ideal of if you dream it, it will come. Um, you won't have to put in the work kind of thing. You, know, you, hear, yeah. you hear it in the way that he speaks on TV when he's trying to sell the uh, the shares in his company it's why not why not just sit back and let somebody else do the work give me your money and you'll get uh, you'll invest in us and you'll get money back from us you don't have to do anything at all and that's kind of how he's lived his life almost he wants to be there he wants to achieve greatness but he has no plan to get there he has no way of getting there and what he realizes at the end is what's more important is actually passing on his love to his son who loves him completely like you see over and over again all his son wants is his time with his father you know that was his wish he asks he asks his son what his wish is and he just says just wish to spend time with you you know he has any any choice of any wish in the world and that's what his son wishes for it's a it's a really sentimental moment you you mentioned earlier on the movie's being released at christmas this year this i think the movie had six release dates the original release date was supposed to be the 13th of december 2019 so just one year on is when we're getting it now but it's had three or four release dates you know trying to take that summer blockbuster spot um you know that that kind of thing but i think it works so well i do i i I do especially this year there's you know that that thing in these types of movies you know you will go and see a big summer blockbuster in the cinema obviously but if it becomes a favorite of your family this is the time of year that everybody sits around and watches these types of films sits down and watches the big blockbusters it's christmas from then onwards that the holiday season is when you sit down and watch your movies with your family i think this is gonna sit in a lot of families rotation on on the christmas rack every year from now on I i feel like it's just got that kind of a bit of power in it. It's got a bit of inspiration in it. And it's got that Definitely. nice sentimental moment at the end where everybody kind of has to give up their wishes. The one thing they dreamed of, one thing they wanted to achieve and they got instantly. And I love that that also is played out by Diana in the moment where she, where she has to say to herself, I have to say goodbye to Steve here. And I love how it's filmed. You see him realizing it at the same moment, yeah. her walking away and Steve says from behind a post, not even on screen, he says, I love you. And that's the last moment they spend together. Yeah. I think it's a beautifully shot moment. It is really good. We should add that not all of the wishes are, say, great or about personal um, sort of wealth or getting stuff. Yeah. I mean, there is a really dodgy moment where there's two people in a cafe and the lady behind the counter and the customer who are having this argument and it all gets um sort of very deep very quickly because she's English, he's Irish and she goes, yeah, we should all be rounded up and sent home. 
Um, and he yep. turns around and goes, I wish you were dead. Yep. And she dies right there. And so kind of... And outside the window, you see the paddy wagons. Yeah, out it as, was a little weird. Yeah, as, the, as all of the Irish people are rounded up and sent off back to Ireland. You know, being an Irish guy, watching the Irish premiere, and John yeah. obviously also being Irish, but from England, uh, watching that moment on screen, it's like, whoa, okay, that's gone a bit too far. Absolutely. <laughs> it was kind of like, I think it was maybe just like check the context of that it just seemed really weird and escalated very quickly I but, thought. you know in, in fairness there is a much bigger moment that's in here that we we haven't even talked about which is the moment when israel is effectively cut off from the other nations and all of the palestinians are thrown out of israel because of a wish yeah that an oil baron makes uh with max lord like that's that's a massive moment in itself, you know, and especially, you know, given that Gal Gadot is from, is from Israel herself, you know, I'm sure there was some input there on, on the sensitivity of that subject. But I suppose what the movie's trying to get across is if you can wish for absolutely anything, there are people in this world that will wish for things without thinking of anybody else at all. You well, know? And it's also, oh, it comes to the genie moment, be careful what you wish yeah. for, because it may get granted. Yeah. And, and it, if everybody else has yeah. a wish as well, remember... How does this pan out? How does it pan out if one person wishes for, you know, um, yeah, all Irish people... wishes. Yeah, well, exactly. Yeah. How, how does it balance itself off? But that's why the whole world goes to crap by the end of the film is because everybody's having these competing yeah. wishes, not thinking about the impact on other people. So the whole world is collapsing because everybody's wishing for just themselves until that beautiful moment of Diana kind of telling everybody, we can attain that we can achieve this a different way if we work together almost, you know, we can yeah. achieve greatness together. It, it really was a bit of a weird moment that, but certainly, yeah, it, it's just saying all these different wishes going off and yep. it's turning everything to chaos and dung effectively. <laughs> uh, and you, you see the world collapsing around, you see um, Max Lord going ever further, you know, he, he goes from, to the oil baron because that helps his business to the president in order to sort of get the power there yeah. uh, and ultimately to going to the the satellites because of the frequency of the the satellite waves from the waves mm-hmm. uh, the communication waves that he can literally touch everyone through these waves yeah. and you know, it could become godlike uh, and the price that he's paying is his health he's getting He's getting sicker and sicker and yeah. sicker. The more of these wishes he grants, the more of these of these things that he's the pieces, the power, the wealth that he's taking from other people, he's losing his health. Yeah. And then he's trying to effectively take health from everybody around the world as he as he as it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. Is there anything about the storyline itself that um that you didn't like? You know, this there are there's loads of really good things in the film, and, and overall I, I did like it. But there's a few things that probably kind of stand out about the this central storyline. What do you think of of this idea of the main character being uh, able to grant wishes for anybody? Yeah, I really like that. I like that he became that vessel. Mm. Um, I I thought it was kind of intriguing that you know he had to get them to say I wish I had, so you know, grab their hands. And but the way it was done, it felt like you know, a really excited businessman would do that. It's like, I want you to invest in me, you know? And he got the wishes that way. I think the thing that wasn't clear was that there was a price to be paid at the start. Yeah. About midway through, it's just after Max Lord has 
um, taken the army of this oil baron um, in Egypt mm-hmm. where he had sold off his oil so Max couldn't actually get what he wanted. And you have this chase through the desert mm-hmm. and you see Diana getting grazed by a bullet yes. and it bleeding. And you don't quite understand that it's because she's losing her powers. It's more the, oh, you know, the bullet just the bullet scraped her. her. Yeah, exactly. Because she's still taking bullets out of the air with her lasso of truth. So cool. She's keeping tanks and armoured vehicles apart with her legs. Mm-hmm. So there's no sense that she's getting weaker here. Mm. And then all of a sudden... um you know, in the White House, you have the fight between her and um, Barbara Minerva, yeah. and she is losing badly to Barbara. You know, Barbara is an equal to her in the fighting stakes there, and, and it's then, I would say, right on the cusp of Act 3 that you have the definitive realisation from Diana that... By making that throwaway wish right at the start that she wanted Steve back and him coming back, that she's paid a price. I kind of feel that needed to be known a bit because she didn't know that. We knew that from Max Lord explaining that every time a wish is granted, the person who's asked that wish loses something Mm -hmm. so we see that with the egyptian oil baron but diana doesn't know that and i I think that felt like sort of out of the blue and even before that whole thing with the egyptian oil baron which again it is in the middle of the film you know it's a, a good way in that's still not known you just assume that say barbara minerva is getting more powerful and there's yes. no cost to it that yeah. there's no cost to her humanity going or that Steve just came back mm. and there's no cost to to Diana yeah and um, and I thought that needed to be made just just kind of pulled out a bit more like yeah. I think just for me in general I do think the middle of this film dips yeah i think the ending is great and it absolutely fired me up but i do feel that the middle kind of just meandered a bit too much they spent too much time dealing with um the these max lord getting the wishes and so on and and even just going to egypt you know i i think why not go to dallas it's perfect for the 80s setting Uh oil barons in dallas yeah um and the max goes there and i think investigating the artifact more would have been really really good because it would have explained why barbara minerva you know is becoming more and more suspicious yeah and um, it because it is simply a it suddenly barbara turns on diana to protect herself and her powers exactly yeah and she has to protect Max Lord. And I think having a, a better build-up to that would have been better. Like, w- wouldn't it have been nice if, if perhaps this was a little bit Indiana Jonesy? you know, that they traced the origins of yeah. of the artifact? and Given they're archaeologists, yeah, exactly. And, and went on a bit of a tomb-raiding expedition, you know. Um, I kind of get the feeling, and I don't know why, I don't know why this kind of popped into my head when I was watching the movie. I kind of get the feeling that there was an initial idea that when Max Lord takes on board the artifact that he turns into that 
god of mischief that they mention. It's not Loki, John, because Loki's in the Marvel universe. So it's not Loki. It's a god of mischief. Okay. Well, I think Loki is non. I- registered trademark he's Norris of course but they're not going to say it in a DC movie that it's Loki because everybody will just go they're stealing it from Marvel even though they're not he's a Norse god but um, I got the the feeling that they were going to play this out where Max Lord takes this on board and he gets more grotesque almost or gets bigger and becomes more godlike very like Ares in the first movie and because of the feedback on the first movie they kind of went, okay, let's avoid that in the second movie. Let's, yeah. let's avoid it being a big CGI fest where both of our antagonists turn into these CGI creatures. Let's just have Max Lord be Max Lord, his getting more disheveled as the movie goes on, his suit's getting more crumpled and crumpled as he's getting more wealthy and more powerful. Maybe that's kind of the, the arc that they're going. And I wonder if by kind of taking out that element of it, um, did they change the story too much away from what their original intention was and then kind of leave these, leave some other elements in? Cause every, every script goes through multiple drafts with loads of different ways of, uh, ways of going. So I remember what you, what you said to me after the movie when, when we watched it, you were saying that it got to the halfway point of the movie and you were going, it slowed down a bit and then you couldn't see where they were going to be going to at the end, but they nailed the end. So it was fine. But halfway through the movie in the cinema, you were saying that it kind of felt it was oh, tracking. This it, isn't this isn't grabbing me, and then it did. Yeah, you know, it like the the opening really grabs you. The the yep. initial thing with Diana and and Barbara, that whole like one thing setting it up is really well done, yep. and then it just kind of keeps going, kind of, not really anywhere, and you don't see where the the ending's coming. Mm. To be honest. Um, as I say, I think the whole trip to Egypt, I don't think that needed to happen. I think it could have been done better keeping it in the US, in Dallas, and allowing then Barbara to stay on board, yeah. not have that weird jet fighter sequence, which I, I just, it didn't, I thought it was nice with all the 4th of July fireworks. Thought I got the nostalgia, but I just didn't work for me. Um, And I think they could have had that, you know, that battle scene on the road in the middle of, you know, one of the straight highways in, in the U S with a private security firm. Right. And it, but it would have allowed them to be in America figuring out what this artifact is, where it's come from, what it does to both build more information for the audience on the artifact, Mm -hmm. what Max Lord was doing with it, um, and why Barbara Minerva is suddenly starting to, you know, maybe drift away from wanting to be Diana's best pal, that they kind of work together. Because in the end, they did that through a scene of going to a shaman, that they happened to find. Yeah. And it seemed really off the cuff. And then it all built from that. So I think that was my kind of yeah. issue. With I got you. It. I got you. Um, there's so much to talk about the movie. I'm, I'm going to talk about the uh, that plane sequence because I think there are some really good things that come out of it. I know the scene itself yeah. may not have worked for you, but there are some really good scenes to come out of it. You know, importantly, Steve Trevor is a pilot. You know, that's that's his main function. That's what he was in the war. He was a, a spy for uh, for the British Army in World War One. Yes, kind of um, seconded from the American Air Force. Yeah, yeah. but he's he's a pilot, yeah. so you know it's really important that he sits in a plane. It's also really important for fans of Wonder Woman that. There is at least a moment with the invisible jet. Um, we have this moment where, uh, where Diana kind of 
wants to channel what her father had been doing, her father Zeus. Yeah. Um, as we learned in the first movie, he's the one that protected Themyscira from the eyes of the world. He was able to throw over this invisibility blanket almost over this whole island of Themyscira. And she wants to do that with the plane uh, so that they, they are tracked by radar uh, or are tracked by eyes, I think, anyway, because uh, radar, I think, would still be able to track a, a plane even if it's invisible, wouldn't it? Probably. Um, but I love the kind of interplay between the two of them. It's a little moment for the two of them together when they're going off on their adventure. Yeah. Uh, I, I loved Steve asking her, um, have you done this before? And she goes, I did it with a coffee cup. Um, and he's looking at her kind of going, but this is a massive plane. And did it work for you? And she goes, I don't know. I've never found the cup again, <laughs> which I think is a good little gag. Yeah. Um, but it is, you know, she is quite synonymous with this invisible plane because Chris mentioned in the last, in the last uh, podcast that in the comics, she became able to fly more recently. That's something in the more, in the newer versions of the comic, but, regularly in the comics when she couldn't fly she uh she used the invisible jet it's it's you know you you buy that uh off the racks that's the uh that's the toy that would come along with uh with wonder woman is her invisible jet so that is something that sh- that she's known for so a nice way to put it into the movie but more importantly this is where she learns how to fly steve tells her the tricks of how to fly that's how she's able to use her abilities later on in the movie using her uh, her lasso of truth riding the air um which i think is a really wonderful scene that they show diana learning how to fly jumping in the air and and flying through the air yeah. it, that that kind of sequence it's it's very reminiscent of um christopher reeves uh, and richard donner's superman from yeah, from the definitely. 70s it um, was great that kind of moment where you have someone that is learning how to fly that kind of uh, but she's leaning on this information or this this help that she's gotten from steve trevor in order to learn a new ability yeah it's kind of it's it is a great moment that where she is learning to fly she's using a lasso of truth to Mm -hmm. kind of uh tarzan swing off bolts of light oh yeah so really fantastic and and i like that throwback to steve trevor saying you know use the wind feel um feel the currents um you know use them to to move through the air, glide through the air. I thought that was really, really good. And yeah. I think the invisible jet is great. Absolutely great. Yeah. Um, I think for me, I it, it's because the whole start of that scene started with a guy getting into a fighter jet or a bomber jet. Yes. Yeah. It possibly shouldn't have been in the Smithsonian Museum at the time anyway, because it was a tornado. Right. So actually that was currently modern technology, a modern plane. But someone, and maybe this is because of the fact that Steve Trevor is actually inhabiting someone else. He is older. Well, that's true. And for artistic reasons it is chris pine who's there so maybe the other guy is a pilot and knows how to fly jet pilots but all i could see was a guy who last time he was flying was in a biplane in world war one and all of a sudden can uh now fly a modern sophisticated fly-by-wire um computer driven um much faster um, jet fighting. Like, I hope they've done their research. There's enough people to ask the question as to whether somebody who's flown a plane in 
in the 1910s or the 19-teens, is that how you say it? <laughs> Whether they can fly a, a, a plane created 60 or 70, 70 years later. I presume they've done it. I wouldn't know. I don't know. I don't know. I presume like, they've done a little bit of research on that. I just, that's just, it just meant I didn't buy into it. Right, right. But I do, as I say, I love that it leads to Diana learning how to fly herself. And, I, and you, yeah. you almost get the feeling because of how, uh, how earnest the movie is and how, uh, how, um, how in touch with its own sense of, of of self the movie is that I now got the feeling coming out that every time Diana jumps in the air and flies, she is instantly reminded of Steve Trevor forever from now on. That that's which is that the great thing. He's with her forever, and I think that's yeah. a that's a lovely thing. It's 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 all, a memory you know, of him. Yeah, that will stick with her every time. Him close in yeah. her mind. But she doesn't need him physically. Exactly. Exactly. There you go. There you go. Um, what else do we want to talk about, John? I think just on Steve Trevor, I think it was great having Chris Pine. And I did mm-hmm. like that choice of even though you looked in the mirror, it was someone completely different. Yeah. I like the choice to have Chris Pine there. I like some of the gags in the, you know, I'm thinking the, the, the bin was a piece of modern art, mm-hmm. you know, when he was being shown round. Um, <laughs> the garbage can. I, I liked, you know, the crazy 80s uh, fashion and him trying to wear that. I thought yep. it was all really good. But I do think he was underutilized a yeah. bit in it. Um, and it, it, I don't know, it didn't feel the same. And maybe that's... Maybe it's supposed to be the reason for it because technically he shouldn't be there. He's dead. He should yep. be um, a man that is awkward to the audience as much as to, to Diana because he's been brought back from the dead. I yep. mean, effectively, it's sweet zombie Steve Trevor. <laughs> so um, that might be why. But I know what you mean. I do love Chris Pine, though. He, whenever he's on screen, he's always he always lights it up. He's always got his gags are really good. They always land really well in the movie. But I didn't really need him around for any, any longer in the movie. And I think. You know, when I think back to the first trailer that we saw for this, saying that Chris Pine was coming back, all it was going was, but it's set in 1984. How the oh, hell yeah. does that happen? So to have him in there and to be, you know, created from a wish for um, for Diana, it's important for her character to learn that she can't just wish something into existence to make a perfect yeah. life. You know, that's the, again, major point of the movie. But that's all he's there for. And I'm kind of glad that it was just that, 30 or 40 minutes of the movie and they did have some good scenes together she had closure on their relationship but that's kind of all i needed with with him the movie's about diana and you, and we it know is. and we know that 10 15 years later she has nobody else around her she's not surrounded by uh, by anybody else so um so it, it's good to have him in there and absolutely I'll, I'll watch chris pine in anything really but but I didn't need him in the entirety of the movie. He didn't need him to be co-star this time like he was in some sense in the first No, movie. I think like you said, it's almost a role reversal in that he is treated as a plot point um, <laughs> like a lot of women were in 1980s movies. Um, yeah, yeah. And nothing, and that's the thing, it's just nothing much. Like I, I love the, the, the desert chase uh, with fab. him yeah, yeah. and Gal Gadot. Um, I love that he does become these words that help her fly and, yep. and that's her, her memory of him. Um, but I think ultimately it was a plot device. I like, I like the choice of using him, but technically it was someone else, yep. just his, his spirit. Um, 
his soul imbued within someone else. Yeah. Um, and I, that's to say, maybe that's why he could fly the jet. But yeah. look, I, I just felt I really, really loved um, Chris Pine yeah. uh, in the first movie. And I think seeing him back, I like the choice as to how he is back, effectively. Yeah. He kind of isn't really. It's just a, it's a stylistic choice to, that Diana views Steve Trevor as the Steve Trevor she remembers. Yes. Um, and uh, that was one question, and maybe I'm being really stupid. We only got to see the movie once. <laughs> but um, we obviously see Chris Pine from, you know, maybe the second minute that the character's back on screen, right? They have a conversation. She realized it's Steve. Then suddenly you see Chris Pine for all the rest of the movie until he disappears, says, I love you. And that's the last time you see Chris Pine on screen. That scene at the end of the movie where she meets the guy in the park. And he says hello to her and says she looks great and she compliments his, yeah. his look and then he walks away. Is that the it person? It is the same guy. That yeah. is the body I, I, that, I, that he inhabited. I okay. think so, yeah. I was just kind of going, everybody in the 80s had long coats and long black <laughs> hair and, you know, looked like they were on the set of Wall Street. And so I was kind of going, is it definitely the same guy? And I think it's partly because you don't see, I think maybe you only see it once more in the film. Steve Trevor looks in the mirror and you see that, that yeah. actor. It's really early um, on, actually. Yeah, so I was kind of like... It's been an hour and a half here, and I'm I'm looking at the guy going, is that the same person? <laughs> Has she seen him across the room or across the park and gone, that's the body that Steve Trevor was uh, was occupying while he was here, you know? Um, I, I just didn't tell, unfortunately. But I'm sure it was. You all know. Uh, you all know that I just got that wrong. Um, one other thing that I want to talk about um, in the movie, because I thought it was so impressive, once again, the opening, that competition in Themyscira, I think was such a great way yeah. to open up the movie. Wow. Like how exciting and how, how fun to, to be back on the island of Themyscira. We mentioned in our, in our last podcast, we couldn't work out how Diana would go back to Themyscira because she left the island. We thought she never went back to the island and we had posited the idea that it was probably going to be a memory of hers to bring all the other characters in. And she's able to look back on her, her time there to learn something for the future, which is exactly what this uh, this flashback scene at the beginning yeah. was, but it was really exciting to see all of the uh, all of the um, it was the Amazons battling it out amongst definitely. each other. Really good fun. It was great to be back on Themyscira. Uh, I love the young Diana as well. Mm-hmm. It was great seeing Hippolyta there as well and Antiope, mm-hmm. uh, and it's Antiope who gives you know greatness is not what you think. You know that is kind of the the overarching aspect to this story yeah. um i love that because you know of her death previously um in in the first film That's and true. just how important her auntie was to 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 diana yeah so uh, that that was really good and yeah the competition is is superb um I did like the fact I really wasn't expecting actually. I, I just because Antiope does say, you know, keep your head down, run, pace yourself. Mm-hmm. But I thought it was almost like a little um pep talk which was but you're gonna lose this because you're up against um, you know, five uh, stronger women. Yeah. So I was really surprised that young Diana um technically won although she was then stripped of it because she, she didn't go all the way by horse yeah no 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 she cheated she took the short path john yes. everybody's supposed to take the full path she lost her horse because uh, she was looking behind her when she hit a tree and got knocked off uh, the horse but she took 
a path that nobody else in the course would have taken. It's the shortcut. So yeah, again, a great moment with uh, Antiope with, uh, with Robin Rice just grabbing her, throwing her to the floor and telling her, not your time. Uh, you can do it again some other time in the future yeah. kind of thing. So uh, I, I really like that, you know, and it's, it's, it's. Tell you what though, I wouldn't like to run through that, um, Krypton Factor course, no. to be honest. No, um, I would not. be dead probably on the poles bit right at the start. Right at the start. Yeah. Once yeah. it starts spinning and uh, yeah. going end over end, uh, I think I might throw up and, uh, and have to leave it to everybody else to finish. Um, <laughs> anything else in the movie that we haven't talked about, John? Um, I think just the, the big battle with Cheetah actually, um, at this satellite, um, communication station Mm -hmm. and i think the whole fight felt really energetic i loved um the 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 suit of armor that wonder woman has on with the wings was just really superb and it Mm. comes from the amazonian i was going to say super soldier but again that's another person (laughs) Um, but the the kind of protector and uh warrior of themyscira and that the competition that you see there is to become that next warrior in in her memory absolutely remember greatest warrior of themyscira very important because i think we learned something about her and the movie, and I'm, I'm not, I'm not hundred percent sure I picked this up right, but um, the suit of armor effectively is what um, is what Diana is wearing. It allows her to to fly in uh, using the wings, and then she protects herself with this suit of armor uh, when she's being battered. That was around. awesome by by uh, by Cheetah. That like it it looked really really good, but you see that Cheetah's able to rip pieces of that armor off. Yeah. Okay. Um, we hear as well that Diana, when she came out into the world, wanted to go and find the greatest hero of Themyscira, but she couldn't find her anywhere in the world. And I wonder if part of that, the greatest warrior of Themyscira, who's remembered every every time they have these games, I wonder if part of that is she did die while protecting Themyscira because this protection isn't impervious. This protection eventually gets yeah. broken away. She's broken down and she loses her life. So again, greatness is not exactly what you believe it is. Yeah, exactly. I thought, but I thought the fight was really good. As mm-hmm. I say, I think Cheetah is a little CGI here, yeah. but the fight's good. And I, I like the matchup between these two. It's really good. I think the important thing after this is, you know, we do see Cheetah looking out kind of forlornly, a bit like a cat would over the setting sun after max lord has been defeated and um, she's kind of sat up against the rocks just by this research station um kind of looking out and you don't really know whether did she reject her wish or not uh-huh. i suspect not right she's still alive or is she she's, just, still alive, she's still alive yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> even though she was electrocuted <laughs> yeah and so on i thought this was her the death of her but i suppose she's become so powerful mm-hmm. and she's been able to survive that but I thought there were some nice moves in, in that fight. And the same in the White House as yeah, well, yeah, yeah. where it's still Barbara Minerva. And I like that, where she, she's just getting a little bit more leopard print into her fashion. Absolutely. Um, and, uh, you know, the... High 80s fashion. The though. high 80s. Yeah. And the, the boots are getting higher and higher uh-huh. up the leg. Um, but the, these two battles um, between Diana and uh, Barbara Minerva were really really good they were, um, yeah. I think it was really good to see to be honest yeah. I, I kind of like it as you say you know as Diana's power is kind of waning Barbara's powers are rising in that point in the in the White House where they're both 
of equal power level, basically. So it works. It works really yeah, well. Yeah, I mean, I think as well, and I don't know whether it was the same in the the previous Wonder Woman movie, but I loved her use of the lasso of truth here, like picking the bullet out of the air to save so Steve, cool. yeah. using it, spinning it around mm-hmm. uh, as like a, almost a bulletproof shield, deflecting yep. the bullets. Um, using it for swinging between the lightning bolts and all that, mm-hmm. it felt so well utilized in the the fights as well as for other purposes. I really, really enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I think that's it. That's all the things I wanted to talk about on uh, on Wonder Woman. Really yeah. enjoyable movie uh, overall. I'm so excited to hear what other people have to say. We're recording this on the 17th of December. The movie's only been open for one night. So I haven't heard uh, from any of my friends or, or from any of our wonderful listeners uh, as to what you thought of the movie, but I hope you enjoyed it. Please let us know. You can email us to feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com uh, or pop over to our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash tvpodcastindustries. Um, we'd love, I'd love to hear uh, what you, uh, what you thought of the movie because, um, I really enjoyed it and I felt like the kind of movie after the year we've had, uh, a really inspirational movie as to how we move forward as a society. (laughs) I felt like the exact right movie uh, to be watching in December 2020. John, what what did you think of Wonder Woman 1984 overall? I really, really enjoyed this movie. It is a 80s extravaganza mm-hmm. uh, for sure. I would give this four bushy perms out of five. Um, big bushy perms indeed out of five. <laughs> I think, um, I think it is. It's a real feel good movie. Yep. And to be honest, that final act for me, it just got the hairs raised up. I loved it. I loved the, of the, of the perm. Um, but I just loved it. It, the music came bounding in with mm-hmm. that great signature tune. Um, Diana was Diana. She, you know, she, she was, doing the best she had she'd seen the light there was a great fight um in in the white house at the uh, satellite base there was this really surprising um end to maxwell lord that i just wasn't expecting and it all worked for me that final bit mm-hmm. um so great performance by gal gadot Kirsten Wig and Pedro Pascal in, in this. Um, the opening is great. Going back to Themyscira, you know, Hippolyta Antiope, the protector of, um, Themyscira, the, the artifact. Yeah. Um, I, but I, I have to say there was a lull in the middle. It does kind of, you wonder in effect how long is left in the movie. It, it just went on a bit too long for me. Right. right. Um, I think with Steve Trevor, Again, it was great having him, having him back in here, and I liked the way they did it. But ultimately, um, it, it it feels though the middle part of this movie could have been better for me. And um, you know, I, I was it's a two t- and a half hour movie, so maybe that's the area you wanted to be cut back to. Just cut back, <laughs> I think, um, yeah. because I was I was there going. When are we getting the big? Wonder Woman moment and that's why when it came at the end I was like this is awesome and it was and I think ultimately if I watched it again it is because I I, of that feel good um and I think the characterization of Diana is great 
Um, I loved um, the antagonists in this, in Max Lord and Barbara Minerva. So mm-hmm. it is definitely worth a watch. Um, and yeah, it's for big, bushy perm do's uh, out of five from me. <laughs> I was sure you were going to go for um, go for big shoulder pads uh, out of five uh, this time around. But yeah, per- well, you can chuck in works. a few shoulder pads as well. <laughs> perm do's works. Uh, yeah, we hope you enjoyed the movie as much as we did. Um, I know uh, hopefully you've watched it if you've listened all the way through our podcast about it. I'm sure you have. Uh, so you don't need any recommendations from us. But, I, but I, I'm definitely going to be watching this one again. Definitely. It will keep you warm and snuggly like any good 80s leg warmers would absolutely <laughs> thanks so much for joining us we will be going back to the cinema next year in 2021 hopefully many many times <laughs> yeah um, touch wood. yeah there's there's lots and lots of movies coming out next year i think uh we've got on the marvel side we've got black widow eternals shang chi and the 12 rings uh by the same writer as uh as wonder woman as i mentioned earlier on um on the dc side we have the ultimate snyder cut of uh, oh, yeah. Justice League coming out next year, fixing all the issues that people had apparently uh, with that movie. <laughs> um, five or six hours long um, and uh, all going what? to HBO Max uh, as a mini series. I've forgotten it was that uh, long. That is ridiculous. Well, you know, again, these it, are all, it, these are all things that, we, that we're not sure about. These are all some of, the, some of the bits that we're not sure about, but there is going to be an ultimate cut. It will all be available on HBO. Well, apparently going to be over two or three nights uh, and potentially could be in the cinema as well. Well, quite frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. I'm really looking forward to it. I want to see what, what Scott no, Snyder I am, has I in am. store. You For know, five um, hours. And that will be on HBO Max yeah, as well. Yeah, the full version of it. And hopefully sometime in the future uh, in Europe we'll be getting uh, HBO Max because they made a massive announcement that basically every Warner Brothers movie for next year is going to be going to HBO Max. Day of release. Day and date as the cinema. Uh, that's not gone down too well with cinema owners. Um, well, but, no. And it actually means what pretty much the rest of the world it is still through theatrical releases in, in cinemas. Exactly. Um, yeah. Because uh, HBO Max is still geographically um, constrained in North yes. America. Yes, but I did see that there's a very high potential that uh, that a version of HBO Max will be coming out over here uh, next year. I think it's uh, September uh, 2021 is the is the idea, but that does does mean we miss a couple of uh, a couple of months yeah. of, of next year of these movie releases. Maybe and they can call it HBO to the Max. Maybe, maybe. But you know, if things continue the way they are and people keep going in and out of lockdowns, you know, I, I do yeah. feel particularly sorry for people in the UK who were so excited about this movie. We're getting it nine days before the US. People so excited about it, bought their tickets and then went into lockdown the night before and can't go out and see it and don't have any other option at all. Whatever bit supporting cinemas and going to cinemas and yeah. buying tickets to go to it, at least in the US, there is that option of watching it at home. If you don't feel safe, if you're in, a, in an area where COVID cases are going up and, and you can't get out to a cinema, at least you have the option of a service at home where you can even buy it from, you know, well, the there are is, rumors that will come out over here uh, on Sky at, towards the end of uh, the end of January. So a month and a half late uh, that you'll be able to buy the premium version over 20, yeah. 30 quid that you'll be able to buy it. But I kind of feel at this time, the idea of being able to make your choice or if you're in, is really if you're being important. restricted and you can't go yeah. out, it's, it's just really important to a lot of people. And so. because of the, absolute increase in the number of streaming services in the past were 
I presume they could have just done a, a short deal with Netflix and had it on there. Now they want yeah. it for their own service. And I get that. But yeah, it's, it's a shame that during a pandemic, there isn't the ability to have the choice so that it can fit yeah. with either the way the virus is going at the moment in that particular country, or it's because you want to have that option yeah. Of staying in rather than going out, you well, know? I would have paid 20 quid to watch this at home uh, if it had been available yeah, on the same day uh, over here. Definitely would have paid the money. Uh, no no two ways about it. Thanks so much once again for joining us. Remember, uh, you can also join us for Pennyworth Season 2. We're on Episode 3 uh, coming up next week. Um, join us for that on TV Podcast Industry. Search for that on any villainous or heroic podcast catcher and you'll get our podcast all about Pennyworth. Yes, you can come on over and subscribe at tvpodcastindustries.com. You can support us on patreon.com forward slash tvpodcastindustries mm-hmm. as well. Remember, um, rate us, leave a review yeah. because be nice. sharing the podcast is sharing the love Uh Anyway, you see fit, um, whether it's subscribing to your podcast catcher of choice or through Patreon, uh, please uh, come on over and subscribe. We'd love to have you because we will also be returning to uh, Marvel as well with the uh, Disney Plus shows of WandaVision, Falcon and the Winter Soldier Mm -hmm. uh, on March 19th. And of course, Loki will be... uh, well, raising his head above the parapet again, mm-hmm. um, maybe an artifact form. Maybe um, he will have an artifact it, that yeah. grants wishes and uh, takes a tell. In May. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, we'll yeah. be getting back into uh, Marvel, I suppose, after a bit of a hiatus um, since the Marvel Netflix stuff right. and the Defenders, Jessica Jones, Luke Cage and so on. Um, Iron Fist, Daredevil. There's only yeah, two the more. Punisher yeah, the as well. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Otherwise, we are DC universing it with Pennyworth Season 2 at the moment. So please head on over to tvpodcastindustries.com. Absolutely. Thank you so much for joining us. Hopefully you find your own greatness at not much cost. Absolutely. Fellow moviegoers, thank you so much for joining us. It is, as always, a pleasure discussing movies with you. But remember, keep watching, keep listening. And keep those leg warmers moving. Absolutely. And stay safe. Have a very happy holiday and happy new year. We'll see you really soon. Yeah. Shoulder pads are a good way of staying safe. They really do pad out that fall. Only if you put over your face uh, as a mask, perhaps. Oh, that's true. Yes. Bye. Bye. Bye.